Hey heroes, welcome to On Scene First. I'm your host, Tracy Eldridge. With over 25 years in public safety, I am wicked excited and honored to bring you entertaining, educational, and empowering conversations with public safety difference makers. Those folks are the ones that are harnessing the power of out of the box thinking when it comes to the latest and greatest must have technology tools, a people first leadership approach, and mental health resources to save lives on both sides of the call. Before we get started, I want to say a huge thank you to our premier sponsor, NGA, Next Generation Advanced. With reliable cloud-based end-to-end NG91 solutions, I am wicked confident that they can fulfill your needs when it comes to next-gen core services, call handling, data analytics, and much more. Oh, and did I mention it's affordable and customizable? Make sure you visit our friends at www.nga911.com and tell them Tracy sent you. Now, on with the show. All right, welcome. I am I'm really excited to have this conversation with my guest today. Uh, my guest today is Michael Chime. Uh, he is one of the founders of Prepared, and I know that many of you guys out there have been hearing the word prepared. I've been seeing conversations in some of the Facebook groups about who Prepared is and what they're doing. And recently, I had my 911 telecommunicator event with Jeremy Demar and the folks at NGA, uh, Next Generation Advanced, and Prepared stepped up and they became one of our sponsors for the National Public Safety Telecommunicator Week events. And with that, they get to come on a podcast and talk about some of the amazing things they're doing in the space. So I just think it all ties in very good for the questions and the comments and the things that I'm seeing. So why not go to the source? So I'd like to say welcome to my guest, Michael Chime. Michael, how are you today? I'm good, Tracy. How are you? I am wicked awesome. That's how I roll. Uh, wicked, wicked is my word. And I think folks play a drinking game when they listen because they want to, they, they do a shot every time they hear me say wicked. So oh, that's great. I've heard that rumor. Um, so what is your official title there at Prepared? Yes, yeah, so I'm one of the co-founders and the CEO. Okay. Uh, I will get into this, but I can't wait to ask you the question. What were you thinking getting into the 9-1 space? These folks are crazy. You know that, right? <laughs> Yeah, I get asked this question all the time, Tracy. So I, I'm happy to dive into it if you want me to. But yeah, this is a question I get all the time. Yeah, and actually, I do. Uh, just okay. based on my hi- history, many folks that are listening know that I started my non-communication center journey with Rapid SOS, which was a startup with some wicked smart folks that decided, you know, hey, we're just gonna try to solve some 911 problems. So. I'm going to start off there. So just give, just so the folks know what we're going to be leading into, and then I want to get to know who you are, but can you just give a quick overview of what Prepared is as a company? Yeah. What Prepared does is we offer live video, picture, text, any multimedia on top of a 911 call to a dispatch center or an ECC for free. Uh, There's no cost associated with the platform. Um, Obviously, we've been working on that with a number of centers across the, the U.S., but 
as simply as possible. That's, that's what we do. Yeah. And so this is, and that's why I was like, what are you thinking? Because I'm sure that, you know, and we will talk about this. I'm sure that, you know, that there are folks that are, that are concerned about some of the things that are going to be coming in, but we're definitely going to dive into that. So this is a, this is a big step in the nine one space. We've been talking about this for years and years and years that it was going to be coming. Um, and it's here. You, you, you are one of the folks that are, are making that happen. How did you get here? Where did you start? Like, like wh- when you were younger, what did you want to be with you grow up when you grew up? And then where did the shift happen? Like, oh, wait, I'm, I'm going to totally change my trajectory and I'm going to step into this space. Yeah. No, so, so I don't think when I was, you know, five, six years old, the thought was, hey, I'm going to build some software that's going to help 911 or even like build software in general. Like, I don't think that was the core focus. It, it kind of just like, as I went throughout, you know, the things I was working on, the school I was going to, it's something that kind of just you know, fell at me. And I um, saw so the quick story on that. Is I, I started working on public safety software about four years ago, but, but I've always been passionate about safety. Yeah, just because it impacted me. I, I grew up in a town right outside of where there was an active shooter event in 2012. You know, 2012, I'm super young, 13, yeah. 14 years old. And, and I saw how that impacted a really small blue collar town. And like, I think my generation thought about these type of things more, right? There was active shooter events happening in schools very frequently as we were growing up. Like in some ways, my my college friends will say, hey, this is kind of our generation's issue, you know, that yeah. we have to think about. My parents will say, we didn't even think about that stuff. No, no, we didn't. Yeah. And, and so like, I think that it was uh, more top of mind than, you, than maybe a generation previous. And so I went to college thinking about those types of problems. And the intention to begin with was not, hey, how do we build this big business? It was just right. like, how could I build something that would help with this problem? And we started there. We built an app that would help schools and emergencies. And the basic idea was we'd go to a school and say, hey, as opposed to you using, you know, walkie talkie or PA system to communicate, why don't you just use your phone? And, and the learning there was we saw in Parkland, it took like three minutes and 30 seconds to even lock down their campus. You know, the emergency was only six. So for more than half of it, people internally are scrambling just for the information on what's going on. And we thought if we could disseminate that info via people's mobile devices, that would be much faster. And so we would go to schools, tell them that story. We just want to you know, help you with that communication piece. And, and we were excited. Hundreds of schools across the country launched that platform and used it to communicate. Um, but they all had the same question. And this is where we really transitioned to 911. They'd say, hey, Mike, say, say there was a real emergency on our site. How would 911 get this info? In the wow. beginning, yeah, I didn't know. I was like, I don't know, just call like, them. I don't know, call 911. Right? Like, <laughs> I'm like, I can make it. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's so, like, and I hadn't interacted with, now, when we would talk to schools, they, they would, you know, they would loop in the chief of police or chief, and they would ask them, what do you think of this software? We're going to communicate to you. Um, but really, I hadn't interacted with 911 that much. I just, why don't you just call them? And I can even make it easier. I can put an API in the app and auto call them. But like, wouldn't that be what you'd want to do? And they're like, well, no, there's all this data here that I can't say over the phone. And I'm like, well, what data? What do you mean? And they were talking about picture, video, text. They they would snap a picture of someone on site that they didn't recognize. Or if there was a big event, they were already videotaping it. And they're like, how would I verbalize that to 911? I share it with my, my teachers, but I can't verbalize it. I was right. like, ah, that's super interesting. Let me dig in. And so me, again, you know, college student, I'm go and knock on the doors of Diamond One centers. And I say, hey, you know, and, and sometimes they're receptive. Sometimes how, I was going to say, yeah. how did, how did I, that I, go for you? And, and here, we, we can dive into this, but, you know, I've, I've been knocked down numerous times uh, trying to do this. I think 
you know, at the end of the day, I think the problem's important enough. You persist through those things and you see a yeah. world where, hey, maybe things can be better. And But I, I welcome that. Um, so we would knock on the doors and I'd say, hey, I have this data. I'm so excited about it. I'd love to give it to you. I think it's life-saving. What's the next step? And I thought they were going to say, well, here, just give it to me. They didn't say that at all. They, they, <laughs> no. they, 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 uh, they said, well, hey, kid, I, I think you are pulling life-saving data. Like they, I think they were trying to like, you know, boost me up a little bit. And But they said, but we can't take that in. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? You just said it's life-saving data. I, I just want to give it to you. What's, what do I do? Uh, and they would say, they walked me through the problem for that, for that first time. And they told yeah. me in that center that they knew about 90% of their calls came from mobile device. Um, but they said the systems we use every day are built on the assumption that those calls are landlines. And they're like, Mike, that's just the way of the world. Forget about it. And I was like, well, walk me through it. Does it have to be the way of the world? And to your point, Tracy, which I think is absolutely correct, is that this is a multivariable equation. There's a lot of things that have to go right and a lot of thought that has to be done for this to be done right, uh, to bring this information to centers. But it seemed like there was really like two buckets of challenges. It's like everybody I talked to said, Yes, of course, the information is life-saving. Of course, it could help me do my job, but I don't know where it fits, but I don't know, I don't like change, but all these things. And so it seemed like someone should come in, recognize that the information is life-saving and should try to their best to tackle the hard problems that are secondary to that around how do we bring it to centers in the right way? How would responders ultimately get it? How would the caller be in a situation to do it? Um, so that's kind of the work we've been doing over the last 12 months. And we've seen a number of centers, I think cities now covering about 4 million citizens use, use our software. And we still have a bunch of hard challenges in front of us. And I think we always will, but that's the quick story on how I got. Yeah. And, and so I'm going to, I'm going to focus on a couple of things. So number one, you said free. And, sure. and I know, <laughs> I know uh, when I was doing my work with Rapid SOS, it, folks were very skeptical, right? It was like, no, sure. we're, we're going to provide this to you for free because it's the right thing to do. They were super skeptical. And, you know, we proved that we, we proved that there are other places that you yeah. can make financial gains. And so I do want to ask, can you explain how you're able to give yeah. This technology, we'll get more into the actual technology, but I want to build that foundation. How are you giving it to these folks for free? And is it going to stay that way? Yeah. And so, so Tracy, one thing that I think, you know, like is super important for us as, and like I said, this has been an iterative process over time where we've learned a heck of a lot about, you know, 911. We've talked to thousands of telecommunicators. We've talked to, you know, a number of people and we've learned along the way. Um, and one of those learnings was how are other companies bringing about massive change in the space? And you look to companies that have done it in an accelerated way where, you know, now location is really, really good in most centers. And it was because I think in a lot of ways, the business model that Rapid SOS took, that that innovation was accelerated. It, it allowed, you know, with 80% of our piece apps being four seats or less, funding is a constraint. And it is something that keeps people from innovating and having the best technology because it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. And how the heck am I going to afford that? And that was one of our learnings is how could we bring this type of information that everybody recognizes as, as life-saving to the PSAP faster and make that change salvageable. And so that was one of the undercurrents. The, the second thing that I'd say is that um, creative problem-solving on a business model from, from a business perspective is something that's fairly commonplace in every other industry, right? Like we interact with free tools almost all the time. And right. Yeah. And so, and, and again, with funding being one of the primary constraints to people seeing innovation here in government, right? Like I think that part of the, the problem solving effort to finding money 
should be put on the vendor as opposed to just on the piece app to find funds, right? Like if, if in every other industry, we're finding a way to make software, at least to start for free, why can't we do that in government when this is more critical? This, this functionality is life-saving. Why can't we be creative from a vendor side to figure out how we can solve these hard problems instead of just putting the funding you know, burden on the piece app and saying, figure out how to find the money. So, right. so that's what we wanted to do. And so again, to answer your question directly, how we plan to, to make money, we absolutely are going to charge for things in the future. So we'll have upsells where everything that we're launching today, which is you know video, live stream, picture, uh, live location, all of that data that we're bringing over to the piece app, we're not going to rip that away and say tomorrow you have to pay for it. But after you've used us, after you've interacted with us, and after you say, hey, I really like this tool, they're demonstrating a lot of value to my center, we hope to learn from you and offer new things that you could purchase. And again, I think it's in the best interest of the business because it forces us to build a product that you love, right? Yes. If you don't love the product, you don't have to work with us. And you just you started as a free tool. But secondly, too, is it's in the best interest of the PSAP, again, because you've seen our work, you've interacted with us, and now you have an informed purchasing decision as opposed to paying a million bucks before you've ever used a tool and going through the onboarding. So um, we we think there'll be a a bunch of upsell feature sets that we'll come back to people with and say, hey, a bunch of centers are asking for this new functionality. We think we're going to charge X for it. What do you think? Um, so we'll have our, our main tier today be free and then we'll offer upsells in the long term. And that's a pretty significant free value, right? Sure. So, so I, and I do, I know folks are asking that question because of that skepticism, uh, but you also said something and this segued right into it in that last conversation that you we were having is you said doing it the right way. And I am a huge advocate for doing it the right way because when folks come into the space that are ignorance, not intention, that they may not understand, you know, you just can't come in and fix it because there's too many moving pieces. There's too many variable pieces. And then there's the mental health aspect. And that's, yes. as I'm sure you know now, that that's, that's a huge component for me. And that was one of the yeah. things with Rapid SOS that I was very adamant about from the beginning is we got to do it the right way and the folks have to have say. And that I think you touched on and is really important is you're building that trust to say, look, this is what we're going to provide to you at the free level. We're going to build a relationship. You're going to see that our intentions are right and that we want to do it right by you. And then there'll be a buy-in later, which... Is fine. I, I think I think is truly okay. What I don't think is okay is if if you were to say, oh, we're going to give it to you for free, you fall in love with it, and then oh, by the way, we're going to charge you, and you're not doing that. So that's really right. cool. Yeah, absolutely. No, and, and I think you you brought up a really important point that I think just kind of underscores everything that we believe and that, that I've I've been talking about here is that you know like in some ways too the business model that we're taking forces us to do it right, and I and I like that we. Um, are in that position. I think we have to hear you know, the concerns to our software from folks because again, we don't get anything out of the free tier, right? We're right. launching training. We're launching you know, a bunch of people on our team are talking about the tool like, and we're not seeing um, you know, payment for that. So you know, like we have to listen to the customers and understand the needs and the things that they, they want. Um, and, and so at a macro level, that's kind of how the business is set up. But secondly too, 
right? Like you brought up a good point where that comes to fruition. Like you said, we heard this from a number of, of centers where they said, well, what about videos coming in? You know, is that going to negatively impact my mental health? Is that is, you know, I'm already concerned about PTSD. I have a ton of these calls that are really, really crazy. Um, how do you think about that? And in the beginning, we're like, oh crap, I didn't even think about that. I just thought right. video would be awesome. Um, but our, our product team just launched a wonderful feature where now at any moment, and you can even put this from the beginning where at any moment, uh, a dispatcher can just blur out the video. Um, so they don't even have to view it. And our pitch is, Hey, you know, whether that's after the event or that's for a responder downstream, we should think about how can we pull the video? If we can pull the video, there are people that could value from that information. Think a responder racing to a fire that doesn't know if it's a blue flame or if it's a red flame. And I, maybe I need to bring hazmat because that's a chemical fire, right? Yep. So they may benefit from it. But as a dispatcher, I totally agree with you. You don't have to view every single emergency. Let's just pull it and auto blur it. Now, I think if we would have had a business model where, hey, we're already paid and some people have that, you don't have to listen necessarily to every single little thing, right? Right. But this is this you, is it. This is this is what you paid for. This is what you got and too bad. Exactly. And that happens all the time, especially in government where it's kind of these long, arduous sales cycles where people feel stuck with software or or you got to go out for RFP and do it for three more years. Like so like you can get stuck with things that don't necessarily work. With us, we're, we have to be fast and nimble and receptive to advice. And I think you see that in our sprints. And we have some wonderful people that not only bring great product experience, but we have over 40 years of dispatch experience on our small team who are telling us, hey, we need to build this thing or it's just not going to work. And um, I think you're exactly right that, that we hear those concerns all the time and we kind of have to be nimble and agile um, in responding to those. And the, fa- and the fast too, because that was that's one of the things that... Things don't move very quickly in the public safety space. And that's really frustrating for the folks on the other end. And, you know, I just envision if there was a moment where it was like, oh, okay, we can get this video. But you know what? I don't really want to just see it. Like, like I do want it to come in. Uh, it could hold value, but I really don't want to see it. So when the folks come back to you and say, hey, this would be a valuable feature, like I want to bring it in, but I want it blurred because if it's not something that I want to see, I want to be able to just just discredit that. And, you know, you mentioned you guys are doing, you're doing training. That's really important too, because I want folks to understand that number one, the reason why I, I thought it was great to have these conversations with you is, you know, on scene first is all about providing three tiers of, of information. Number one is based on technology that can help that telecommunicator more effectively do their job. I, I very rarely say better do their job, um, but more effectively do their job because they know what it's like to sit in the seat and be like, oh, that would have been good to know. Right. And there's a lot of things with foreseeability. We can only go by what they're they're telling us. And sometimes what they're telling us isn't what we're visualizing. And it's not what actually is there when when the responders get there. So I will tell you when I first you know left the 91 center. The irony was I was the chief dispatcher that was stuck in the box that didn't like the way things were being done, but I didn't really want to change them or I didn't want somebody coming into the space that had no idea about the space to change them. I wanted it to be somebody that had a clue about what what we did every day. But it sounds like you guys are putting that effort in to hire folks from the field, the profession to listen to be responsive, like those are really important things in a startup, especially in the nine one space. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. I think they're necessary for um, anybody new. You, you have to really know your customers or, or the people that are using your software 
uh, at an intimate level. And so, yeah, we've been the best we can putting in the work to, yeah. to try to do that. And I've started seeing your guys at conferences, which is, right. which is good. So I highly recommend that if you're at a local conference and you see the prepared folks go over and, you know, say hello and introduce yourself and, and see the product. Right. So if they go up to the booth, what is it that they're going to see? Cause I know that the company, the name of the company is prepared, yep. but the product that you provide is called prepared live. Is that correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. So I know that this is an over-the-top solution. Right. I also know that the reception to over-the-top solution can be very mixed. And here's what I have to say about that. And I've been saying it for six years. While we would love for you to be able as a telecommunicator to have a mission critical system that is right at your fingertips, that gives you all the things, all the things, just one login, one screen. It is just not possible. And, and we're going to come back to some good news about, you know, an additional login in, in just a few minutes. But if, if I was a nine, one director and I said, all right, Michael, tell me about the actual over the top product that I could put at my folks fingertips. What is that product going to do? What does it look like? Yeah, that's a great question. So the way that our software works and just like going back to some of the learnings we had early. So we started as an app, right? So I'll talk about the user side and how they interact with our All software. All right, and, guys, I'm and, twitching. And, and, you know I'm twitching. He hey, said app. Hey, I'm going to recover. I'll recover. Okay. I promise. Okay. You better recover. Because uh, uh, yeah, my I'll folks recover. are ready to jump through the radio for me. <laughs> no, right. not yet. Not yet. Okay. Uh, so we, um, we started as an app and, and it worked great for school, right? So someone that had you know, someone up top saying, hey, everyone on our site, download this app and we communicate during this. You have this kind of principal authority above that's able to disseminate that, that app out. That works great in that environment. However, the everyday person is not prepping for an emergency, you know, they're going to have in two weeks. <laughs> and so nope. like, they're not thinking about some app that I have to download to communicate with 911. Oh, and wait a minute. I'm in the most critical time of my <laughs> exactly. life and I can't even you know, think like, straight. Hold on. Uh, let me scroll through 12 right, pages to right. find that app that's going to uh, save me. Yeah. And, and secondly, that's, that's the exact point too, is that like, even if they did download an app, are they going to go and think about that in an emergency? This is a fight or flight type reaction. I probably don't experience this much. I'm just going to do what's the ingrained behavior. And that ingrained behavior is call 911. Call and, and we've even seen that in some ways with text to 911. Like the majority of centers that I've chatted with, they say, well, I was super concerned when text to 911 came in, I was going to get overloaded. I was going to have so many texts uh, on my platform. And and that didn't happen. <laughs> we haven't really seen that. Exactly. We, so, yeah. And I think that's because, again, even in a situation where text may make sense for the user, this is fight or flight. This is a situation where, you know, they're just reacting and that reaction is call. Um, yeah. So call 911 is an ingrained behavior. People are going to do it. And so we had to think like, okay, say that call 911 is this ingrained behavior. How can we pose the behavior change post that act? So after the action of calling 911, how can we allow them to still communicate this life-saving data um, with a call being that? So the best way we thought was through text. So you just get a text um, on the phone as you're talking 911 and the, the operator can just say, hey, I sent you over a text. There's a link within it. And they're able to get that information while they're on the phone. And so they simply click on a link in that text. They're able to press one button and then you can see through their camera. So as opposed to just hearing the event, you don't have eyes on scene in seconds. On the dispatcher side, you would have a browser-based software where you'd have you know, your dedicated login or credentials where you'd be able to get into the platform and 
you would simply put in the phone number and it would shoot out that message. And then you'd be able to monitor the entire, you know, incident or event via that channel. So you could text back and forth with them and you can, you can send videos or pictures through their camera. Okay. So I have to pause there because I need, I need to clarify what you just said. You are providing a free over the top solution that is going to allow you to text out to somebody. Is that correct? That is what you just said. Exactly right. Yeah. Okay. Carry on. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, and that's a huge point too, is that like, you know, people, I think get really, really excited about live stream video and, and like, or at least that's the topic of conversation when you talk about us, but there's like these practical everyday, you know, mundane type use cases where people are really seeing a lot of value in our software in the 80 to 90% of calls, as opposed to the, you know, these big emergencies. And that may be facilitated through text. And so yep. someone comes in, we're able to outbound text them. And, you know, we just talked about that text to 911 example in that situation where the user has to lead the text exchange, they may not think about text. But when a dispatcher is able to outbound them and say, hey, you can text me, it's almost like, oh, crap, I can text 911. And, and, and that's even without a 911 call, correct? Exactly. Yeah, so you can do that. This. That is key right there. That is that is an, that is a huge benefit of, of your technology because there's a lot of tools that folks can kind of enable via a text message out to the caller. And somebody might call you with an emergency on the business line and they didn't call on 911. So there, there are benefits. So, yeah. all right, keep going. Yeah, exactly. And you're right. And I think it, it, it's um, helpful with all these trends that we're seeing too. Like if it's, if it's 311, if it's an admin line, if it's, you know, wherever you would get more information or you know, where you'd want supplemental data on top of a phone call, you can use our software. Yeah, obviously 911 gets all of the, the conversation, but you're right. The, the, anywhere there's a phone call you or you have a phone number, you can utilize and interact with our, our software. Um, so yeah. Just, oh my, God. I, I, my, my brain is already going hundred miles an hour. Like I'm envisioning the kid at a party and they call their mom or they text their mom and like, mom, I'm in trouble. And they're like, I don't know where I am. And then uh-huh. you get the daughter's phone number and, you know, the telecommunicator can text that person. And now you've just taken a, a third party situation right. and you've brought that telecommunicator and the person that needs the help together and taking out the middleman when you know that that texting is their only opportunity. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's yeah, that's a huge, huge benefit there. Yeah. And, and I think you're 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 hitting on something that, that we've seen that's been really powerful in that, like. You know, and again, we've we've tried to do our best to bring this in-house on our team, and we have 40 years of dispatch experience on our team. But the the everyday frontline for interacting with our tool have found the best use cases of the software, and and as they've utilized That's it, huge. We've seen it used in ways we didn't even expect, and like, um, and they're exactly the ones that you're mentioning are every single day. I think our software can come in and provide value. Um, but also alternatively, there's been big emergencies that we didn't even necessarily expect where people have used our tool in a really, really powerful way. Like we had a, a young girl call in and she was in a domestic and for minutes, the guy's trying to slap the phone out of her hand because she's talking audibly. She gets to a safe place. I think she's in a car and she locks the doors. She turns on video and says, you're on stream with 911. The guy sprints away. And in yeah. that situation, um, that was a deterrent for that girl. It was like it, yeah. her, her device became a powerful piece of her own personal safety. And she used it in that situation. And again, and the dispatcher was way smarter than, than we would be in that like, hey, I wouldn't you know, go and talk about that use case without it actually happening. But you had the thought to say, I think this would be a really powerful use case. And you're right. And, and we've kind of seen the tool really grow beyond we even thought and, and our yeah. expectations to where I think on almost any call, you could use 
one of these things, whether that doesn't have to be video, that could be text, could be sending a picture. Um, and, and we've really seen it expand. Yeah. And I, and, and so I, I just want to go back and clarify something. I give apps a hard time, but sure. I do know that there are apps out there that, that are beneficial, um, that somebody may use, you know, I, I joke about the, the Haven app with rapid SOS and that's kind of yeah. how I got there is I was pretty adamant about, yeah, we're not going to do it this way, but we had some saves because folks, are in that place where that is their way of communicating that, oh, wait, I have this this tool or um, I have some interviews that are coming up with folks that do have apps that, you know, are just in different scenarios. And, and I want to refer to the different scenario things. I think what happens is a lot of times, and I can speak for myself as, a, as a first as a 911 telecommunicator, I did that job for a really long time. Uh, second, as a chief dispatcher, third, as an advocate for mental health and wellness, is that the more tools you have in your toolbox to resolve whatever the situation is at hand, the better you're going to be in the end. And sometimes I think folks get frustrated that, oh, they're implementing this, they're implementing this. Nobody's ever going to use that. And my theory is, is if one person used it and is it, it was successful, then it was worth its weight in gold. If it was the tool that if this didn't work, use this. If this didn't work, use this. If this, and then this is the tool, the, the, whatever it is, this is the tool that worked. I think once folks see it, can feel it, can touch it, and then they get their first success, yeah. that's when everything shifts. Yeah. yeah, you're exactly right. And and I um obviously I'm biased and I love talking <laughs> about all the <laughs> all, all the ways our tools is helpful. And I, I'm super proud of the team's work, but like we've we've actually experienced that that as well. And that like, you know, I, and everybody, you brought up a really great point. Everybody that we talk to is like change is hard. We really need to think about how we're introducing change into the center. And and we do our best to do training, do onboarding well and implement the tool in a way that that really helps with that. Um, change, but we see that once somebody utilizes the software in a successful way, that it really starts to kind of have this cascading effect where other people start to see, okay, wow, I could use it in that way. And we, we had a situation where, you know, it was a CPR event and, and uh, a guy calls in and he says, I don't know CPR, my buddy and I, but this, this, this guy's unconscious and what do I do? And, you know, they struggled for minutes over the phone trying to figure out, you know, was his hands placed in the wrong way? Is he breathing at the wrong time? His friend turns on video and they stream it. And they see in an instant, okay, hey, his hands are placed well below where they should be. And he's breathing at the wrong time. And they coach him up and the person comes to life right on the screen. And that was a really cool use case. We got to talk to the users. But on the back end in the dispatch, you know, it was this small center, about four seats. And you know, the majority are, are just like that. And they have this community vibe and feel. And they're really tight and close. And um, they all crowded around this one event. And they were watching this video in real time. And they're like, oh, no, tell him to do this. Oh, tell him to do yeah. and, Like they couldn't help themselves because it's the first time they had seen this information. And I, they tell the story of like the second that person comes to life, it was like, oh, my goodness, they're high. It's a big deal. Yeah, they're high fiving each other. And they got to see this, you know, the work that they were doing for the first time action upon in a visual way. And you saw the tool really just hit hit new heights uh, in that center. They started utilizing it on everyday things, they started utilizing it in more situations. And I think you're exactly right, is that when people touch and feel something, they say, wow, this could really improve whatever I'm doing my day to day. Um, that's when you see the these cases pop up. Yeah. So now I'm going to I'm going to throw this out there because I know okay. my people and I know <laughs> great, and I great. did a, and I did a lot of work. <laughs> to get folks to engage and want to put a free over the top tool in their, in their hands, the rapid SOS portal, that tool's yeah. kind of a big deal. 
So Love if it. I'm talking to an I want center and I say, hey, check out this over the top prepared app. When I explain it and they say to me, well, why would I want to log into that? I am yeah. already logging into the rapid SOS portal. What are you going to tell me about that? Uh, so we've hopefully we've made this answer easy. So we just um, we just finalized a partnership with Rapid SOS. Um, so and, and again, one of our core beliefs is listening to the people that are actually utilizing the tool and not building things in a silo, like in your head, what you think would work for, for the space. And we had a number of people say exactly what you're saying is that yeah. something consolidated into my workflow, something that's ingrained in, in the things that I'm using every day where I don't have to have an extra sign in is paramount. It's, it's really of high importance to us. Uh, we listened to that feedback and just finalized the partnership with Rapid. And I think that just went live. We'll have a press release and things uh, associated with it, but it, it will really help, I think. And we continue that work. So whether it's integrations directly with the systems they're using today, so we're proud to announce that partnership with Rapid SOS. So now if ECCs want to get our tool directly in their portal, all they would have to do is let our team know they want to opt in um, and then it would be accessible right in the in the portal. And I, I love that because, you know, I, and it, when we when we first had our conversation and you're telling me about all this technology, I was waiting for the perfect moment to be like, so are you partnering with Rapid SOS? Because it does not make sense to me for you to be able to provide this information and it not be accessible in the portal. And I do want to make something very clear to folks about the portal. There are other partners. So the way your partnership is going to work with them and correct me if I'm wrong, because this is what I understand it to be. And there are other partnerships that work this way. There are a couple of things that I would say when I worked with Rapid SOS and I still advocate advocate for them today in all of the sessions where I talk about the portal, where I tell folks that there are features you may not be aware of, but this is really big. Number one, folks should be logging into that portal at the beginning of every shift. No messing around, no trying to figure out the password when you need the information. Be logged in at the beginning of every shift. If you are a director and you've only given access to a supervisor platform, that does not make sense to me. This is this is technology and data that should be in the hands of every seat in the center. They should be able to access it because there's excessive information on the other end of it. Number one, it should be at everybody's console. Number two, it should be signed. You should be signed in at the beginning of every shift. Number three, you should always be looking at the information that's available because what happens is is folks will take at face value. Okay, where's your emergency? 123 Main Street. I look at my map, it's 123 Main Street. I don't need anything else. They get satisfied. They're satisfied with the minimal information they get. But what a lot of folks don't understand is if they don't click on that number on the portal and they don't engage with that particular number, then they could be missing out on very valuable data because the next screen is the one that's going to give them the link to your particular dashboard, correct? Yeah. So, so uh, and I can walk through that workflow. So, so the way the software or the two softwares interact is, you know, so the location would pop up the normal in the portal location that you're receiving. And then right above that will be a tools bar. Uh, you can click on tools and then prepare live. Our platform will be in there. Um, you'd click on that and then it will open up our platform in its entirety. You'd be able to see the information. Uh, so you're exactly right, Tracy, is that you know, you just, you have to do that one click of tools and then into our platform, you know, and it's really nice. It'll exchange the information in the background. You don't have to type the phone number into our platform. It'll already send out the link. So it's really just a click away for you to be able to, to do that. But yeah, it, it's in the, 
the toolbar where you would get. Yeah, that and I and I think folks, I don't think they understand the magnitude of the additional data that can be sitting under there. And and I know other partners are doing very similar, and it is giving them that satisfaction of logging into one place, being successful in finding that information and getting that that caller the help that they need. Because now we're going to wrap around, and then we're going to have to wrap up. Um, a lot of times we don't know the outcome of the call. We don't understand what's going on. We visualize things in our head. I, I will always go back to my dear friend, Carol uh, from, from Virginia. She, she said in one of my classes, you know, when I was talking about us being visual in what we're hearing and, and she put it in the perfect way. She said, my ears see things that my brain will never forget. And when she said that, I was like, what a powerful way to, to do that. And what I do know is that 9-1 telecommunicators, they will visualize the majority of the calls. When they're afraid of seeing the videos, what they don't understand is they're already seeing them. It's just how they're directing it in their heads. And what I'm hoping that this does is, is maybe it allows them to be able to see that it, it might not be as bad as they're, they're envisioning. Yeah. Um, and it does help them resolve the situation and have closure on the call and have successful outcomes. That's my goal. Yeah. How much are you guys invested into making sure that the mental health and wellness of the folks that are using your product is recognized? Yeah. So, so the, the short answer to that is extremely, it's a core focus of our work. Um, and, and like, it's easy for me to kind of sit here and, and say that, but I think that the tool itself in its earliest iterations, right? Like we're early in our process. And you think about some other providers have been here 10, 20 years. You could say, I think that from a product perspective, we are continuing to try to do more than even them. And, uh, and we're very early in our process and we'll continue down, down this road. Uh, to your point, like I'll just start here. I think the information is extremely valuable, right? It's valuable, I think, for a dispatch center who can go in and see it and maybe not every single event, but I think in almost every event, it's valuable for the responder who's going to go to that scene regardless. And it's valuable for after the event, trying to understand and put the pieces together on what's going on. The feature sets that we're building for those situations where you don't want to see the information is blurring out that video at any moment. And we can even talk to centers about auto blurring out the video. Every single video can be blurred from the start. We just put in the procedure in our SOPs that we're going to pull the information when we can. Um, and it's auto blurred. And at any moment I can unblur and go and see that visual if I want to. But again, I think the, the, all of the um, challenges that we have to solve here are in that second bucket. I still firmly believe that the first bucket here is there's a ton of value in the information for the center, for the responders, for after action. I always liken it to like a radio to TV type shift. And so like I was an athlete before I was playing football in college. And if you said to me like, hey, you got to go and listen to the Super Bowl on the radio this year. That's what you got to do. I'm yeah. like, what the heck? I don't even know what's going on. Like, <laughs> yeah. how, how would I, you know, do they win or lose? How would I even know? And, um, but I think that's in a lot of ways what we have to do every single day on these, on these calls. And the visuals are there, right? People are streaming video. They're putting it on Twitter. They're putting it on Facebook. They're putting it on Instagram. Yeah. My pitch is it should be in the hands of the people who are doing the life-saving work, the people that understand what to do with that information and yeah. have the training to actually execute upon that information. And, and that's the first bucket is the value of the information. Absolutely. The second bucket is, I think, should be in the vendor's hand to try to understand how can we solve these hard problems around getting it there. And again, we, we, we're starting to and we'll continue to do that work to make sure that people can, whether that's in training, putting people on your staff that have actually sat in the seat, or that's building feature sets that 
you know, solve the concerns that people have like blurring out the video. Um, so we'll continue to do that second bucket work. It's vital to um, what we do. All right. Well, I loved this conversation. I'm super happy to welcome you into the space officially. Uh, if I welcome you in and you started with an app, then you know you're doing something right. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we, we got past that. You got past that. So, right, yeah. and again, like I said, I, I've, I'm much more open to apps now. Again, there, there's some criteria that has to happen. It has to be relevant and pertinent and it has to be done the right way. And it sounds like that you guys are really working hard to do that. So, uh, Michael, how can folks find you guys if they want to get some information, some education to talk to your folks? Where is the easiest place for them to find you? Yes, our website is prepared911.com. And then all of the information you can find there. There's an about us, there's our values, there's open positions. And if you're interested in and seeing our software um, and us walking you through it, there's book a demo and there's all that contact information there where people can get a full demonstration from our team. And additionally, like you said, we're going to be at all the conferences. So you awesome. can come say hi to us. I'll be at Nina myself. So if anyone Yay, wants to say right. hi and say you did a great job or you were terrible on Tracy, that's fine too. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me how bad I was. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll be in person as well. So if people want to come say hello, I, I'd no, love to. It was, it, no, it was very good and, and super inform, uh, informational. And uh, if you notice, if you, he said positions, open positions, I know there's lots of folks in the space that are that are looking for their next opportunity. So check that out. And thank you, Michael, for joining me. I appreciate you and the work that you're doing for the space and that you're doing it the right way. Thank you so much, Tracy. I appreciate you having me on. Welcome back, heroes. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please like and follow me on all On Scene First social media so you too can keep up with my shenanigans. And make sure you get to know our friends over at NGA, Next Generation Advance. You can start by heading over to their social media and thanking them for being our premier sponsor. Remember, stay safe, stay strong, and stay here. We need you.